I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and also the proud winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. Ask every mum what she wants for her child and she'll say for them to be happy and healthy. But when their health is out of your control, focusing on happiness can sometimes completely change your world. In this episode of Every Mum the Podcast, Sharon Myers, creator of our Wheelie Big Journey, talks to us about Noah, her little boy who was born with a very rare disability called Escobar Syndrome. Sharon's outlook has created a world where Noah sees no limitations, where he can dream big dreams, be treated like any other eight-year-old boy, and be raised by happy and healthy parents. We hope this episode helps anyone who is caring for a child with any disability or special needs or anyone who needs to be reminded that happiness can be found every day. You just have to look for it. Sharon Myers, creator of our Wheelie Big Journey. Thank you so much for joining us today on Everyone the Podcast. And I think personally, I'd really (laughs) like to thank you for injecting so much happiness and joy and laughter um, into my life when I find when I look at the, what you're posting about and when I see what you're talking about you just you crack me up <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> and what I really want to know is you know you, you what what has led you to be on this mission to make us all happier why are you doing that for us oh god I, that's a, that's actually a tough question I don't think I've ever been asked that before I think um I suppose Looking back on on how far we've come, Noah's eight now, and um, initially, obviously, our journey wouldn't have been a happy one um, after Noah was born. So in those first couple of years, I think we were in a a dark cloud of what-ifs and everything. And after, I suppose, I started feeling a bit better, I realised that, you know, maybe it's important to show other families like ours and maybe people starting off on that journey that life with um, a child with a disability isn't the end of the world um, and that it can actually be quite positive quite fun and uh, exciting do you know because it's uh, the way I look at Noah now I suppose is that his wheelchair is part of our life as well so we treat his wheelchair as part of the family and we don't look at anything like it can stop us so it's important for me to show other families like ours and just the normal everyday person as well that this is never ever going to hold us back or Noah back hopefully. Tell me about Noah. So Noah is eight and Noah has a very rare syndrome called Escobar syndrome. 
uh, it's not named after the drug lord, even though we, <laughs> even though it really sounds, we always call him, we often call him Pablo, joking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I actually don't know who it's named after. It's very, very rare syndrome. Uh, it's what it is, is, is it's a syndrome that affects all of his joints. So when Noah was born, the easy, oh, I suppose not the easiest way, but um. The only word I could really use to describe was that he was severely deformed when he was born. So because the syndrome affects every single joint in his body down to his knuckles, uh, all his joints were very tight. They were what they call contract contracted, so he contractures of all the joints. I suppose for the first 10 months we didn't have a diagnosis, so for us we didn't know whether he, it was going to be life-limiting. Um, I suppose whether he was going to die from what we didn't know he had even and it was at 10 months then we got the diagnosis of Escobar syndrome and they confirmed that it wasn't a life-limiting condition it was only a physical disability so mentally he is as he should be um, and that there is no reason why he shouldn't live a long and happy life like myself or yourself. And it's something that they picked up in pregnancy. Yes. So I was 12 weeks, my first scan, your first scan, and they picked up that there was um, fluid on the spinal cord. And it's called, I think the nuchal fold was was what they call it. And they picked it up there and they were convinced at that stage that we were going to miscarry because it was so pronounced. And it wasn't until I think about 17 weeks that they said... Things are looking okay. Mm. The amniocentesis came back clear. Uh, he had uh, we had a fetal heart scan in Crumlin. They were clear. I think to be honest, they just didn't know the genetic genetics. It's so rare, exactly. And the geneticist would say that he said there should have been markers they might have seen in the ultrasounds with Noah's hands and feet, but it wasn't until he was born really that we realised how serious, I suppose, what he what the issues he had were. And Noah has an older sister. Yes, Sophie. She's 13. So So you had yeah. been through pregnancy exactly. and, and newborn life yeah. with a very healthy baby. Yeah, like uh, I suppose I often forget that part of our journey. We were 20 having Sophie and uh, I remember she ended up having the um, hip dysplasia. And I can remember coming out of the consultant's office that time bawling, crying because my beautiful little daughter had to be put into a cast for her hips. And looking back in that now after having Noah, it obviously at the time it was probably the right emotion to have, but it was a bit na- naive on our part because obviously now we realise things can be so much more serious and that was so minor compared to what Noah and it just shows everything is so relative like Absolutely. if that's the first experience you have of something happening to your perfect little baby yes yeah then you're going to have those natural emotions of course and like that's okay like you don't always have to be thinking but someone else has a worse yeah. off if if your child loses a fingernail you're okay to be it's okay to be upset about that you don't have to be thinking but poor Johnny down the road now has this going on it's okay and I think as you just said um it's your baby it's your child so anything happens to them of course you're going to be upset about it um and now I'm raising a teenager which is a whole new ball game (laughs) I mean it's terrifying so that's where we're at at the moment so it's it's and how Have is she with Noah? She's brilliant. Um, I think they are exactly like any other siblings. Yeah. They fight like cats and dogs, but it's 
a lot of people would say to me, even within the family, and I would see it myself in a situation where, let's say, maybe I wasn't there or in school or when she was in school with Noah, she was very protective of him. So they were well able to be normal siblings at home, but maybe out and about she was a little bit more protective of him than maybe I was over my brothers. I possibly at the time didn't allow for the... Um, effect it would have had on her as well because not only was she becoming a sibling but she was also having to look at her parents being I suppose upset or you know or just even relations even the you know because there was never it was never it took a long time before it became you know before we became a happy family again given until we knew what was going on with Noah so yeah, I think going in the last couple of years, I have looked back and at the beginning, I think I felt guilty because I, I, I'm I, not sure was I, I, I probably wasn't as attentive as what I should have been to her feelings and emotions at the time. But now I just look back and I like, that was just how we managed at the time. And I think when she's older, she will understand mm. better um, I'd say because she's so protective, as you said already. Yeah, it looks like she's she's stepped in and she's she 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 cares for him as much. Oh, definitely. And you know, I think with Noah because I suppose he's such a big personality himself. They've got on really well, and I think once I suppose once we really knew what was happening with mm. him and going on with him, then we were able to sit back and say okay so we're going to just take the bull by the horns now and run with this and enjoy life so tell me about that phase because so you knew that something was wrong in pregnancy and you didn't know what and then for the first eight months sorry ten months ten months before he was diagnosed and then after that of course myself and Dennis had to do testing to see where we care I suppose who passed it on because it's a a genetic disorder so then it was confirmed that both myself and Dennis are carriers of Escobar syndrome, which means... And is that rare to both be carriers? No, that would be, it would actually be rarer for only one of us. Wow, okay. Usually it's, like in the majority of cases, it would be both. So the fact the union between myself and Dennis is what made Noah, literally. Okay. Yeah, you know. But not Sophie. No, one in four chance. So Sophie was the three out of the four. Yeah, yeah yeah and I suppose we like I think I was in that first year I was like Wonder Woman I was oh I can do all this by myself I don't need any help I was doing the appointments by yeah. myself that, I, that's not something I would recommend um to anyone starting off in that journey now I would um because in that second and third year I totally lost it um mentally like I had a breakdown and I needed to get loads of help and so I I would definitely say to anyone starting off in the journey it's take every single bit of help you can get even if it make might make you feel uncomfortable just do it because you need that support it was I know it just wasn't it wasn't a good idea it really wasn't I should have asked for more help I should have taken even the help I was being offered you know because I was of course I was saying no I'm fine I can do this I can do this myself I I looking back on it now I should I shouldn't I shouldn't have been doing that at all I think we because we hear so so much from our community and we hear that 
a lot of the time from mums, regardless of the situation mm-hmm. or regardless of of any special needs. Um, this trying to prove, trying to show, hundred percent, I've got it. I can do it. Almost like it's our maternal instinct to. You don't want to anybody to see that maybe you don't know what you're doing or to see into exactly. the fact that you're completely winging it. A hundred percent, because um, there's unless you have had a child before with the exact same issues, the same. So like, for example, if Sophie had been born the same as Noah with all the same, then maybe, yes, I would have, you yeah. know, people would have said, OK, she does know what she's doing. But realistically, anyone who's having a child... Uh, a, a child that's been born with special needs doesn't, you know, that's their first experience of it. It might be in the family, but it's a hell of a, a hell of a different experience having a child yourself with special needs and then having to do all that comes with it, appointments. And it's, there's nothing worse than being, going to appointments and being constantly told what's wrong with your child rather than what's right about them. I know it's their job, but I would I used to often feel that that definitely um, will accumulate over time, and that's what will hit you when it's all maybe died down, and that's what will hit you the most. Going, oh my god, that's all they did for the last six months was tell me what was wrong, what could go wrong, what will go wrong if you don't do X, Y, Z, and it that's terrifying. So you're living just braced for bad news, a hundred percent, all the time. Yeah, you uh, you go in and. A small victory could be that their oxygen levels were 99% for the night. You know, um, little things like that. And I can remember one time a consultant came in and I can never, I still to this day can't understand it. Why when they've done all the notes in front of them, they'll Mm. proceed to go through the whole from the day you nearly conceived to where you're at now. And um, I just said, he was writing away mad. And I just said to him, and uh, he's beautiful blue eyes and a lovely smile. And he was actually starting to write it down. <laughs> and then he looked at me because you, I got so sick of yeah. telling them what was wrong with Noah rather than... They weren't seeing him, your little boy. No, no. And I do think it's important for um, parents at the start of the journey to tell, keep telling themselves what is amazing about their child. Don't look at them and see what the doctors are telling you is there. Look at them and say, oh, my God, do you know, look at what they, whether it's they played with a tie, even if they rolled over and and celebrate those achievements rather than being always dis- sad and upset over what they're telling you is wrong. Um, it's hard, but it, over time, I do think you get better at it. So actually this, this, what so what for some could be a very d- distressing time has flipped on its head and mm-hmm. made you seek the positives. Oh, hundred percent. Um, I go in now and <laughs> I I sometimes maybe the consultants and the nurses are probably like, oh, here she comes now again. This this crazy woman, <laughs> full of energy and thinking life is brilliant, and she's in Crumlin Hospital and you know happy down the corridor. They might really welcome. It might be a breath of fresh air for them. I think. For me, anyway, for me, my coping mechanism is laughter. My coping mechanism is positivity. My coping mechanism is making friends with these people. So I would, they could come in and I'd ask them, so have you children at home? And they're Mm. like, you know, that that's my coping mechanism. It's not for everyone. Um, I like to talk, as you can tell. So that 
that helps me get through it easier if I if I can kind of I suppose not even make other people laugh but just keep myself positive and upbeat then that's going to make the experience better overall you have spoken very honestly about the the crash that you had I suppose from Mm -hmm. uh, you know around that two-year mark where yeah where you couldn't continue to do it all or to not accept the help um and you did have a phase where it was difficult for you to see the positive. Awful, yeah. It, it, do you know, I suppose I got to the stage where I just felt, um, I suppose I was in a deep depression um, and I had anxiety. I was convinced if Noah coughed, he was going to die. I, you know, just went through, you know, that how was, you know, how was he going to live a normal life? Our life, like our life, ourselves, I felt was over because we were quite adventurous. We liked traveling and I thought, oh, we're never, that's all going to end. You know, I just felt like everything was going to be a challenge. Um, and I suppose I started counseling. I started talking um, to my family about it. And I went on um, antidepressant medication, anti-anxiety, which I'm still on. And I love how you describe it, though. I I saw you described it as just it's an antibiotic for your head. Antibiotic for my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's it's nothing to be ashamed of. It is nothing. You shouldn't even shy away about saying it, you know, because at the end of the day, if if you broke your leg um, and or if you're after getting a cold and you're on antibiotics, the first thing you're going to do when you meet someone is, oh, I was just at the doctor. I got antibiotics here for my flu. <laughs> you know, that's the we first do thing. So much we do it so much thing. We do we, it. Whereas how many people will come out, oh, lads, I just have had a bad yeah. couple of months. I just got antibiotics there for my brain from the doctor. And, but you know, hopefully it'll work. If you talk about things normally and just like everyday chat, like about the weather, then it just becomes the norm. It's not a big deal anymore. Um, and I'm I like, they saved me. The medication, the counselling, it saved me. It has made me into the person I am today. And God, I go and shake pharmaceuticals hands for doing it. You know, it's not something to be upset or embarrassed about. Does it still surprise you that we still so much, like we talk all the time about our physical side? And what we have to take and what we have to do. And even if it's, I'm going for physio or, (laughs) you know, oh, I've hurt my ankle. Yeah. But we don't still talk about, well, actually, my son has severe special needs and I'm really struggling and I need to go and take some antidepressants. Yeah. We wouldn't even say, you wouldn't even find in conversation, you wouldn't even say, I'm going to counselling. You know, like, as you said, you'd say, I'm going to physio, but you wouldn't say, you know, God almighty, the lad, over the last couple of weeks now with Noah's, let's say, scoliosis operation now, worrying about it, I just had to go away and talk to someone. And it should just be okay to say that. You know, it shouldn't be taboo. Like, you know, it, it just means that you're actually taking care of yourself and you're taking charge of your own health. And that's, it's important as well to empower other people to actually say to themselves when they go home, you know what, actually it's not a big deal. Maybe I'll go and talk to someone if they're worried about something. And just, let's, it's just about normalising it. The same with Noah in the wheelchair um, and his disability. It's about normalising, normalising his wheelchair. It's how he gets around. That's all it is. It's, it's just a means to him being able to be independent. And that's all it is. It's not a big deal. And you've made a decision to try and make Noah's life as normal as possible. Yeah. 
including punishing him when he's bold. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is very important. Um, you know, Noah, my idea is is that Noah won't thrive as an independent adult unless he's given the foundations as a child. So, and that includes knowing right from wrong. So if Noah is misbehaving, it's only right that he is punished. Now, Sophie would disagree and say that she, he gets away with murder <laughs> and she gets punished for everything. That's just a sibling thing. But that's thing. just a sibling thing. But, like, we don't shy away from, like, normal parenting. Yeah. You know, we don't make Noah feel that he's any more special than you or I or that he deserves, you know, more in life yeah. because he's in a wheelchair. He doesn't. It's going to be harder for him. And of course, there's times where, where you say to yourself, oh, wouldn't it be just easier now to, I don't know, for example, feed him his dinner rather than make him do it himself. But how will he do it? How will he learn? How will he learn? How will he become an independent adult if I feed him his dinner? And he's, he's 15 and I'm still feeding him his dinner. It's, it's, it's tough, I won't lie. And you do feel guilty like you know you want to step in you do you do because you're looking you're they're struggling there yeah. he he would be struggling at different things and you do want to say you know i'll just do it noah come here now but you can't and i i would have at the start whereas dennis i think my husband now has been very good to say no leave leave him so we'd be a lot oh, tougher is probably the wrong word but we'd be a lot yeah, i suppose tougher the last couple of years but he's growing up and I think yeah. that he need you know, you want him to be a resilient a resilient man in the future. Because, of course. And Escobar syndrome, mm-hmm. it is only physical. Yes. So mentally he is still an eight year old. Exactly. Boy. Mainstream school, he's going into third class. Um he's do you know, I'd often I'd say he's quite bright. I wouldn't say he's intelligent, but Noah's very um very savvy. And um, knows how to work the room and how, who's, you know, I think he just has everyone wrapped around his finger himself, not not for any other reason other than his personality. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so he's like, he's thriving in school. Um, you know, like, I mean, I suppose there, there is times where you would say, if if I could have a genie in a bottle, of course, I would make the wish that he was like Sophie. Um, but that's just not the way it is. We have to accept and deal with what we have been given and make the absolute most of it. But you're building a life for him that he mm-hmm. is thriving in. And, yeah. you know, you're bringing him on so many adventures. I know. And We're broke. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's doing things that, that parents of eight-year-old boys maybe wouldn't even consider doing because they still think oh they might be too young for that or yeah you're just going to you know what we're going to live yeah. our life to the absolute fullest i mean the credit union at this stage think we have about five accessible bathrooms because <laughs> we've we've been into them so much they're like <laughs> how many bathrooms do you have in that house and we live in a bungalow so we don't even need to make them but anyway yeah i do think noah's disability has definitely made myself and dinners feel that if you tell us we can't do that, we are doing it. And as you said, we would never have dreamed of doing them with Sophie yeah, at the same yeah, age. Yeah. But somehow, now, obviously, I, I suppose social media came into play then and then you're like, oh yeah, we'll do this. You know, this will look brilliant. But it's like we climbed a mountain with him now, for example, and um, he hated it. 
<laughs> you, but you're doing he it. He hated it until he got to the top. He loved it at the top. Yeah. But um, I find most eight-year-olds don't like a hike. No, no, he so. w- they don't. And Noah, like Dennis, we would often do things like, and Noah would just because of course Noah would be in a seating position, yeah. whether it be in the wheelbarrow thing Dennis has made for him or on the back of a bike, and he just never stops talking the whole thing. And Dennis is like, "You're out of breath trying to push him," and he's there, "Well, Dad, well, Dad, what, Dad, what?" You know, <laughs> it's. But it's important for us to teach Noah, whether in a physical or in a in a literal way or in a metaphorical way, that no mountain is literally too high. Like, if you want to go skiing, Noah, we you can go skiing. If you want to go surfing, you can go surfing. We will figure it out. If your and father, you have, you have figured it exactly, out exactly. Like if if Dennis makes up or Dennis is a builder by trade, um, but he has just this. I don't know. I would. Sometimes I'd say amazing mind, and then I'm thinking he's more like your man out of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You know, that <laughs> yeah. builds these random contraptions. I mean, random insofar as they would not be, they would not look good aesthetically. They definitely wouldn't be passed by health and safety. But he would build something to make Noah's make it life. Exactly, make it possible. So we have defi- we're definitely in a better position maybe than other families in because we have Dennis on our side, I suppose, to make these things. And it has allowed us to do like forest walks, you know, um, the ski, like the skiing. Dennis is a great skier, so he was able to ski with Noah in between his how legs. How did that work? So how did you get him up the mountain? So what we used to do really was I would, so they would all head off in the morning. I would hang around in the morning with Noah. We'd like... When I think back on it, actually, I, I'd say they thought we were absolutely mental over there. So we could go off in the buses or whatever. I had to get loads of men to lift his wheelchair onto buses. and um, So we'd go off and explore. And then we'd come back and we'd meet. And Dennis could bring him up, like the baby slope, yeah. let's say, and on a, a sled or in between his legs. And he'd ski away. And then in the last, the last two days of the trip, then we took him up the mountain and... I don't know how Dennis's back survived it, but it did. And we'd ski down the whole mountain with him. And he thought he had died and gone to heaven. I suppose we would do a lot of trips, as in, um, like I wouldn't, let's say now, if you were saying, if you were saying to me, you know, oh God, you can't really go there, there's a step. And I'm like, what's a step? Yeah, <laughs> I'll just yeah, lift yeah. him over it. Yeah. That's not always going to work. Yeah. But right now when he's small, we are fitting in an awful lot that is more doable because he's lighter and because he's smaller. We're definitely aware that the bigger and older he gets, there will 100% be things that I, don't, I hate saying he can't, he won't be able to do, but Dennis that will be a challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've already said to Dennis, I think he should build some sort of a automatic portable ramp that fits onto the wheelchair that will just zoom That's out. That's an and amazing idea. I know, but he's just said he couldn't be bothered because he said it'd be, he'd have to go through health and safety and everything. <laughs> he wouldn't He wouldn't be interested I in it. to the credit union get another <laughs> business loan another, for that. Another wheelchair accessible bathroom, please. <laughs> so in all of these places, how are you finding people's reception to you, like in the tourism industry and stuff? So when you're saying you're going to go with Noah mm. and you're going to do these amazing things... Do you find that they're incredibly supportive of that? And are they rushing to help you with that? Or do you find that other people are putting barriers and limits to what you can do as a family? I think 
the you know the I suppose especially I suppose for, take Ireland for example um I do think the infrastructure is very very poor uh for wheelchair users or people with mobility issues um and a lot of our buildings wouldn't be accessible just because I suppose I know we live in I suppose an old country and so far as a lot of the buildings will be older and that our I would always find people are always willing to help, 100%. Mm. No one will ever... I've never had anyone say, you can't come in here. You know, I, I would. you would have them say, obviously, there's steps to the toilet or there's, you know, a step coming in. So, and they would come out and offer you help to lift. Um, it, should, it shouldn't be the case in 2019. Um, everywhere, there's a plank of wood as a ramp like would be a simple, tiny, cheap, affordable method of getting people in and out that every business should just have. Uh, but we have, I have spoke to businesses before and they have, let's say, maybe asked in planning for accessible bathrooms and that and because the buildings would be protected, they wouldn't be allowed. So you're, you kind of wonder who's... Who's controlling Who's what? wrong yeah. here. Yeah. While I understand, like, history is a huge part of our lives and the buildings and the history of buildings and such because we are now in the 21st century bring them in bring them into the next century and Mm. let people have let everyone have access to them so everyone can experience Mm. history and that but public transport everything it's the infrastructure is very poor very poor and that's a pity I, i just um because you don't know when it could happen to you. Nobody should be saying to themselves, oh, um, you know, I don't need to worry about that because it doesn't mm. affect me. You could break your two legs in the morning and you're in a wheelchair. You know, it's it mightn't be a lifelong disability you might end up with, but or you could end up on crutches or with a walking stick. It's the same thing. Uh, I will always. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you don't notice the things you take. You do. Mm. You do go through your day, and you don't notice the things that you do so simply until you can't do them anymore. Exactly. Look, we've a long way to go, but I, I'm, I suppose we would be firm believers in educating people in a positive manner. I have never, ever, ever, ever give out to any business or anything about accessibility or, or anything like that. I would make suggestions. Yeah. Because. It's not up. It's not up to everyone to be saying, "Oh, this has to be a hundred percent right now," because you can't get it right for everyone. So you're waiting for him to have his scoliosis operation. Yeah, that's the next thing now on the list. So he was born with that. So it's curve of the spine. So um, he needs surgery to straighten his spine, and of course the waiting list is horrendous. So um, we've no idea of when, um, but. It's something that we're just going to have to start fighting about now again. I, I And I know it. And I was hoping it wouldn't come to it. But I know. I know it will. And um, But I just don't think it should be a case where it's families pitted against each other. I think we should all be coming together and fighting as a group rather than fighting individually. I think it works better. Um, but look, I'll try my best. And you're doing an amazing job at it. And I think that the positivity that you're putting out there and how you are reacting to all of these challenges, it must be being passed on to how Noah is experiencing it as well. I don't, he doesn't have a clue. 
Yeah. And that's important to us. He shouldn't be worried about when yeah. his operation will be, when will he get it. He doesn't want to see you angry and No, no, upset. and we don't. You know, myself and Dennis will have the quick chat about it and then we'll start talking about the weather. You know, we don't let it consume us anymore. It used to. Yeah. And of course, we'll F him blind and give out about it. But then it just, we let it go and then we say, right, so what do we do at the weekend? But it must take huge effort to switch that off. Massive. And it, it took, that took, that takes a lot of time. Like Noah's eight. I would say he was five before we got to the stage where we were just like, do you know, let's live our best life now rather than worrying about all the things that could go wrong, all that was going wrong. You know, we just decided, look, just keep, let's keep it positive, let's keep it happy. And so your proof remember. that choosing happy makes you happier. Or there, there's no doubt. You, ha- you have to. What is the other option? The other option in life is to be miserable. And you have to be happy. If you're alive, be happy. If you're healthy, be happy. If you're relatively healthy, <laughs> be happy. Do you know, whenever you're healthy, be happy. Um, just, it is, it's a simple, it's, I swear, a smile makes everything so much easier. I'm not happy all the time. There's no point, I'm not, I'm not going to come on and pretend I'm Oprah and I'm like, oh my God, you know, positive life, positive attitude. I'm not, of course yeah. I'm not. I'm human as well. Um, you know, like if, you know, if my hair is messy, yeah, I can be upset or I can be upset about my weight or whatever it is. I'm normal as well. Yeah. But for 90% of the time, I choose to be happy, makes everyone's life easier and better. I just, I, I love that so much because it's, 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 we can get sucked into mm-hmm. the, the negative chain mm-hmm. of Absolutely. emotions. Yeah. And I love hearing that, like, you have deliberately, it's not a mindset as in, like, you're just a happy person. You deliberately have, like, trained how you think about things mm-hmm. to, make you happier so like I'd love to be able to learn how to do that more (laughs) I'd love to be able to be able to stop my brain in that process of like okay we're going down the negative uh, rabbit hole here and go no let's let's just be happier let's just what 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 do you do like like, so a couple of years ago when you made that decision with Dennis like yeah what behaviors or things that you just start doing running anyway was the first thing we did that definitely didn't make me happy and then I realized when I wasn't running I was a lot happier so I was like wait a second but it was do you know what it was it was about coming together as a family yeah um and because Dennis would be an incredibly positive person anyway he wouldn't Nothing would excite the men, nothing would, you know, he's just one of these, you know, he's so, I said, he's so horizontal, he's just so laid back. And I suppose, whereas I would have always been the real high uh, and anxious, you know, negative, you know, like I was just always, you know, money dony, I was giving out. And so I suppose, you know, I was like, God, this is helping no one, like nobody, including myself. Um, yeah, it, it's tiring and it's, it's sad. It's, you know, it, it ruins friendships. It ruins, it ruins your life. Like being miserable, it really does. There's no, no two ways about it. And I suppose for, for me, I think it was going up into Crumlin as well and being there with Noah and seeing all the other families, no matter what it was, struggling and thinking to myself, oh my God. Like, I have to make, we have to make the most of this, what we've been given, you know, because some people don't get the opportunity. 
They don't, you know, and um, like, you know, we've been there this year with our friends and they've lost their son to leukemia and, you know, it, it, it makes me realise that um, you have to be grateful for every single day you have and you have to make the most of it. It's okay to be, it's okay to complain, but get over it very quickly and, you know, be grateful, I suppose, really. There's another day. Exactly. If you wake up in the morning, that's a good thing. Enjoy it. Be happy about it. <laughs> you know, it's, um, I do think, I suppose, I'd be very careful though, all right, because like, but no one now with this upcoming surgery, it's major surgery. So I do, I am very aware that I could hit yeah. another wall of, you know, being down and being worried and being that's anxious. But that's too. normal. Exactly. If you can't be the superwoman no version of you in happy land no exactly so you have to be i think if you're aware of your own emotions whereas i'll know now that's coming so i can say in my own head okay cry for your whatever but you know what it's going to be okay you know it's it's important from it's i think it's it that's where i've how far i've came i now realize what how I'm feeling, I know now I can now prepare okay, so myself. You spot it in you, and then it gives exactly. you time to do something about exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you just you have to you have to be aware of your own emotions, and you have to allow them. Allow yourself be emotional as well. Like yeah. that's okay. Crying is brilliant. I always think we were oh given God. emotions because we're supposed to feel, feel them and them. release them. Exactly, and suppressing them is actually doing more damage than good. 100%. A, a good cry, there's nothing like a good cry. Even like whatever, put on Titanic, have a good yeah, cry and let, let everything come out yeah. and I'll tell you, you'll feel a hundred times better. I've done crying on Instagram and I must be the ugliest crier <laughs> in the world but I felt so, you'd feel so good about it and it's important for me to show but my family and yeah. other people watching us, that that's okay. It's normal. Well, Noah suppose. deserves happy parents. 100%. And Sophie deserves yeah. happy parents. Yeah. It, and to be, like, whatever about his physical disability, he's still growing up in a household that exactly. should hear laughter and should hear fun and crack and, and happiness. And that's the thing, like, you, you don't have to be doing what we're doing to be happy. You can be happy in your home. You can be happy, like, you know, because you, you can go, let's say, into the shops, into your local town for the day and be delighted about it and make the most of it. You don't have to be doing any anything mad altogether to show that, oh, my God, look at me, I'm doing brilliant now because we did this today. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah. It's just even just doing the housework happily. That <laughs> you makes know? you less happy because you, you're placing, you're, you're assuming if I do these things, it'll make me happy. And yeah. then you're in that experience and you're like, nope. Still not happy. Like <laughs> so I it suppose, has to come from within you. Exactly. And I suppose I would be um, concerned sometime, sometimes that we are, you know, making our lives extra busy to cover up maybe things that I don't want to, to think, think, about. And think about. Um, and I do, I am conscious of that. And I do kind of say that to myself, you know, look, are you wanting now to go um, and do something this week just because you don't want to, deal with ringing the hospital you know to find out more so you, you I have to be conscious of that now all right the fact that you are conscious of that maybe sometimes yeah. like and that's that that'd be a very tempting thing to do as well 100%. I think that's a very normal reaction yeah for anybody we do like to procrastinate the bad yeah. stuff be distracted <laughs> by the good stuff <laughs> exactly and for anybody else that might just be 
pick up your phone and text a friend and look at silly yeah. gifts just to distract yourself. But that's it, you know. Or it's, it's okay to to build purposed <laughs> happiness things into a your calendar. A hundred percent. And it doesn't, I, as I said, it doesn't have to be major it doesn't it can be something very small I hope it's helping others and I hope it's helping other people realize that um it's not the end of the world that's the only thing I always it's because when you have that baby and they are telling you this xyz you just think in your own head going how can we ever come away from this in a good way and I just want people to know that you can you can make it whatever you literally want to make out of it. And has it helped you on a personal level to connect with people and to to have more friendships and more connections and more reasons to sort of talk to other people that you might be able to help? Oh, 100%. I mean, I suppose because Noah's syndrome is so rare, I have no one else to talk to but about that's it. So how many people syndrome? in the world? 200. 200 in the world. Yeah, about that. There isn't actually a figure even. There isn't a, a, a proper figure. So, so like, what, like, do you have yeah. people that you can talk to about uh, the future that it might be a little bit older than Noah? Um, I'm on a group, all right, that there is a Escobar Syndrome group. Um, and there will be adults and stuff on that now, all right. So you can, like... I suppose, like they would have some. A lot of them would. Have, a lot of the um, people would have common characteristics, but then uh, there there could be a lot of differences. So some of them walk. Um, some of them would have maybe a lot more respiratory issues. Uh, so, but it's it's definitely a place where let's say when it comes to the likes of surgeries or, you know, um, I suppose whatever it is, you can ask the question and people might have a bit of advice, but it's very rare. Like it's, there isn't, there's not much to research even on it really, to be honest, you know, it's, so I, what I really are just figuring it out day to day. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So I've found like with social media that has allowed me realize that it doesn't really matter what the condition is. That, like I have friends with kids with autism. I have friends with, um, kids with, you know, loads of different, um, different, I suppose, disabilities or special needs. So, and I can, we all identify with each other, regardless of what it, what it is our children have. It doesn't, we're still parenting, we're still mothers, we're still, um, we're, we're still maybe having the same challenges with the HSE, maybe different things, but we're still having them. And we still have all the same emotions because we've all been told something's wrong with our child. Mm. You know, so from and I and I've I've connected with other people then who have no experience at all of special needs, mm. and they're like, "God, you really opened my eyes to it." Not in a negative way, but just in a way that going, "God, you know, it's made me way more aware of the challenges you face." So I are like I've had um, eighteen year olds message me now and say they want to go to college now to do social care. Or they want to do um, special needs nursing, or so fantastic, which is brilliant. Which makes me, I'm like, yes, this is yeah, worth working five thousand ads. <laughs> but it <laughs> is, know? it's working. It is, so it's working. It 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 just takes time for people to open themselves up to it and to realize that disability isn't negative. We're not. I'm not there to complain or give out about what we have been given. I'm celebrating it. So it's important that people realise that, that we're 
celebrating the beautiful boy we've been given. Um, and we're so grateful for him. He's amazing. Well, I think you are amazing. <laughs> I, really I don't do. know about no, I don't know about that. No, I say my husband now would probably have a lot of things that aren't so amazing <laughs> about me, like the time I cooked the dinner with the loads of basil that was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I grew basil. I had to use it. <laughs> It's practical, practical, <laughs> yeah. No, but really, you are, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy that you came to talk to us today. Oh, thank um, you. I'm so happy that you created our big wheelie journey, and mm. I'm so happy that you've decided to raise Noah with really happy, grateful, mm-hmm. fun, crack parents, and mm-hmm. to let him feel as he grows up that he is so special and you know he can be confident and competent and able to do things mm-hmm. and not hold himself back at all 100% and it c- everybody can do this every I, I I'm telling anyone listening who's starting off in this journey you can do it you can have a happy amazing life with the beautiful child you've been given trust me I wouldn't say it otherwise that's there's no better way to end that. <laughs> I just think that thank you for your message. Thank you for your mission. And I just wish you all so many more amazing adventures. Well, thank you. Book coming out in 2025. I'm, <laughs> I'm buying it. I'm buying it. <laughs> Sharon, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Every Mum the Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe and we'd love you to leave a review. For more support, information and real experiences, you can visit everymum.ie or get in touch with us by connecting on Instagram or Facebook with hashtag everymumthepodcast. We'd love to hear from you. This series is kindly supported by Water Wipes. Water Wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change and during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, Water Wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.